What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Microfamous. I want to deal with a really fun and interesting question that I get from people that have kind of been exposed to the book and exposed to the concepts of the podcast, which is how micro can you get? And I love it because I've got some great personal experience in this area, uh, in the space that I came up in, which is residential real estate coaching. In other words, the coaches who work with real estate agents to build their business, right? They're not coaching the consumers, they're coaching uh, all the other entrepreneurs in their space. So in that space, it seems like there's a lot of realtors, but most of them are not productive and most of them don't make any money. <laughs> so out of the million plus people who are licensed, the entire market of people who can afford a marketing service, a group coaching program, let alone one-on-one -on -one coaching that runs a grand plus a month, like that entire space is probably no bigger than 15,000 in a good year, right? We're talking about people that can legitimately afford not just for a month or two, but can afford for the long term a marketing service or a coaching program that's a minimum of 500 to a month, but more likely in the 1000 to $1,500 range. There just aren't that many of them. And uh, so, and we're not talking about for software. So just in case anybody's in that area and you're familiar with, uh, with some of the software companies that are in that 1000 to $1,500 a month space, they, they do better, right? They have, they have a bigger potential market, but we're talking about for coaching and marketing services, right? And I know multiple clients and friends who run seven figure businesses in that space, right? No more than 10 to 15,000 potential clients. So it's a very small market. And then there's also another great example that I give in the, in the micro famous book. If you haven't heard of them, don't be surprised, but the company's called Brandios. They are a branding and design agency that specializes in major league baseball. And that's a super small niche. Um, in the last couple of years, they just started expanding to other minor league sports teams based on, you know, this rock solid reputation that they built by starting out with minor league baseball. And because they were so focused on their target market, they came up with a brilliant idea. It's what, what I would call a clear and compelling idea that spoke really deeply to those minor league sports teams. But that idea doesn't apply to any other business that wants branding and design. It's really customized and it speaks very deeply to minor league sports teams and it pretty much leaves everyone out, everyone else out. But the founders of Brandios knew who they wanted to work with. They targeted them specifically and as a result, they were able to uncover a clear and compelling idea that spoke deeply to those ideal clients. So in a world of agencies that build websites and do design and branding, can you imagine how painful it would be for most agency owners to limit themselves to one type of client? But it worked. So I think we wildly overestimate how big a market we need in order to build a six or seven figure business. So I want to dig into three questions and three benefits of going micro. So let's start with question number one. How small of a market can support a multi six or seven figure thought leadership business? And like I said, I can tell you by experience that you only need around five to 10,000 people to support that type of business. Now, you might have to build a total audience that's larger than that over the long haul because you're gonna attract people along, along the way that will never be a good fit, right? But the more refined and razor sharp your clear and compelling idea is, the more you're gonna attract the right people and repel most of everyone else happily and gladly. Uh, so if you are strongly attracting the right people and strongly repelling most of everyone else, then you don't need a huge audience. Uh, I talked about in the last solo episode about how when you strongly attract uh, and speak really, really deeply to the, your kind of really ideal, perfect people, you're going to get other people that are one to two gaps away that are also attracted to your idea that, uh, that aren't repelled. And they may never be your perfect person, 
but they're going to come along for the ride and they're going to get into your audience. So, so you may end up building an audience of let's say 15 to 20,000 people, but really five to 10,000 out of those are your potential ideal clients. And that's okay. Uh, nothing wrong with building a little bit bigger of an audience, but we're talking about how micro can you get? I think you can get down into the five to 10,000 total audience range and still build a multi six or seven figure business. Now, let's move on to question number two. If you did build the number one thought leadership business in a particular niche, is that niche profitable enough? That's a great question to ask because I see a lot of people getting into niches where even if they built the dominant business in that space, there just isn't a lot of money flowing around in that space. Uh, whether it's a you know particular niche of life coaching or you know they're selling something to people that they really want, but they don't have a lot of money for it. I'll give you an example. You know, there's some uh, really amazing drummers uh, and, and professional musicians that could conceivably give really high lessons to people, you know, for two or three grand a month. And, and there's a lot of people that would, that would love to pay for them and their skill set is so high level that they would absolutely deserve that. The problem is the people who would buy that <laughs> or do not have the money for that. There just isn't that much money flying around in those circles. What is flying around is it's a larger mass audience of, of low cost buyers, right? So if you're going to give, you know, scalable drum lessons from across the world, uh, one, you know, selling your time an hour at a time to one person isn't going to be very profitable. You're going to have to build a membership site that allows people to pay 20 bucks a month or something like that. And there's people out there that are doing that very successfully. But you'd think there'd be room, you know, for super high level coaching. And there just really isn't. Uh, because the bottom line is musicians are broke, they don't have any money. So there's a lot of niches out there like that, where theoretically, you know, you could charge two or three or four or five, you know, grand a month for your services because you have a world-class skill set in that thing. But the problem is that you're selling to people that just don't have the resources to pay you that much for your high-level expertise. So you want to be careful not to get into niches like that. Now, how do you figure out if you're a niche like that? Well, talk to people. Talk to the influential people in that space. That goes a long way towards knowing how much money is floating around in a particular niche. When you get to know the problems in that niche and you understand their business models, you'll get a pretty good sense of the ROI that they would get in return for having some specific problem in their business solved, right? So if you're selling into a niche of entrepreneurs, talk to them a lot, get to know their business model, get to know their problems. And you'll start to know if you solved, you know, some particular problem in their business, what is it worth to them, right? What does it bring them additional ROI? Does it give them 20 hours a week of time for them to enjoy their family? Whatever it is, get an idea of what the ROI is and you'll see how valuable that problem is and how much they can potentially spend to solve it. Here's another way. You can also look at how many events, trade associations, or industry groups are active in that space. Look at the coaching consult, uh, consulting programs that are for sale in that space. How expensive are they? Look at the structure of how people get paid in that space. So they get paid in large chunks. Um, there's uh, a few great examples. Real estate's one of them. I mentioned that one. But things like franchise consulting and executive recruiting uh, also work the same way, where you get paid on a percentage of the deals that you do. So like in franchise consulting, you might make 20, 30, K off of a deal. Uh, same thing with executive recruiting. If you bring in someone, if you're recruiting for C-suite executives and they make multiple six figures a year, uh, your revenue is, you know, 20 to 30% of their first year salary. So you're making, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 K off of one deal. Well, when people get paid in big chunks, that means that they might have chunks to invest in things like coaching, consulting and programs and stuff like that, right? The chances are they're willing to invest part of that chunk 
into services and programs where the promise is more big chunk paychecks, right? So if you're in a, a, an industry like that, there may not be a total, a total uh, you know, huge amounts of profit floating around in the space for coaching and consulting and thought leadership. But if they get paid in chunks and you can show them how you can get them more big chunk paychecks, then they may be well, willing to and able to spend uh, some of that big chunks on you. So that's the second question. If you built the number one thought leadership business in a particular niche, is that niche profitable enough? Is there money floating around in that space waiting to be captured? Now, now let's move on to question number three. If you dominated that niche, would you ever need to leave that niche? The reason why I like to ask this question is, as thought leaders, it's easy to get lost in a sea of sameness because we just don't want to specialize. You know, uh, a lot of us have content that we feel like applies to so many different types of people. And a lot of times we're right because success is based on universal human principles. So if you've done something really, really interesting in real estate or in mortgage or in executive recruiting or in franchise consulting or whatever, you know, chances are the principles that you've uncovered would apply to people outside of your space. That's not the issue. It's a marketing challenge, right? And because you can envision impacting many different types of people, many different industries and niches, and you may just want to flat out flex your creative muscles in solving a bunch of different types of problems, uh, what ends up happening a lot of times is the end of dabbling right? You end up confusing the market. You end up diluting your power by spreading yourself thin across several different industries or even just trying to be industry agnostic, right? Um, there's a lot of people that have started off in like real estate and mortgage coaching and then they decide to jump out from that into just any small business, right? And, and theoretically, some of your content may apply. In fact, you may be so good that all of your content applies to other small businesses. Um, the problem is that doesn't solve the marketing challenge, right? People want something that's specialized for them. So my question is, if you dominated the niche that you're already in, would you ever need to leave? right? And what I see a lot of thought leaders doing is because their business isn't growing as fast as they want, inside the niche they're already in, they look at expanding their offerings. They expand their market. They expand their marketing message. All this ends up doing is make the core idea of their business less clear and less compelling. And often this has the exact opposite effect of what they want. It actually guarantees that they never cut through the noise and ironically causes the business to attract even fewer ideal clients, especially online where it's hyper competitive. So when you have a clear and compelling idea, it cuts through the noise online. It gets the attention of the right people. And once they've heard that clear and compelling idea, they cannot unhear it. So everything that we do to dilute or water down that clear and compelling idea in order to kind of expand our appeal to more people, the more power our idea loses, the more it gets drowned out by all the noise online. So in the search of like trying to expand your target niche, ask yourself if you really dominated the niche where you're at, would you ever need to leave it? Because if you're looking to break out of your current niche because you're not growing as fast as you want, expanding your offerings, expanding your market, expanding your marketing message may not be the answer that you think it is. Now, let's shift gears and look at the three benefits of going micro. Number one, when you go micro, it's easier to appear to be everywhere to the right people right? And I say appear, right? Because you don't, it's not actually about being everywhere. It's about just appearing to be everywhere because you're going after the right people. This is what I hear from most of my prospects. I don't always hear that they came across me on a specific podcast or they came across me through a specific referral source. It's more like, 
oh, I see you all over the place. Like you're on every podcast, you're doing this, you're doing that. I, I see your, you know, I get your emails. I listen to your podcast. I see you on Facebook. I see your Facebook lives. Like I see you everywhere. Now here's the key. It's not because I actually am active everywhere because I definitely am not. Uh, if you know me, I'm actually not very active on social. Um, I do make an effort to get interviewed. I get interviewed on other podcasts two to four times a month and that's all well and good. And of course I have my own podcast and stuff like that, but, but my efforts are not spread out across a bunch of different industries and places, right? I focus my efforts and I concentrate my energy on the places where my ideal clients are paying attention, right? And this effect is amplified when you have a very clear and compelling idea that speaks deeply to your ideal client and you drive that idea home in your marketing over and over and over and over again. So not only does your idea cut through the noise faster, but it grabs attention and it stays in the minds of your ideal clients. It sticks there. Once they hear that clear and compelling idea, they cannot unhear it. The cat is out of the bag. And once they start to see you in all the places and the platforms online where they hang out, it makes the feel like you're everywhere even when you aren't. So that's the first benefit of going micro. All right, now number two. Second benefit of going micro, instant credibility from your client roster your testimonials and your success stories. So if you head over to, you know, my, my production agency website, pursuingresults.com, if you were to look there and you see just the, the clients that we have, if you don't know any of them, then you're probably not our target market, right? Because when I jump on with a client and they look at my client roster, my testimonials and my success stories, they typically know who I'm talking about right? They know that that's a respected person in the industry. They know that it's an influencer. They may even know them personally or seen them speak in an event, right? That's the power of going micro is that when people see your client roster or people see your testimonials and success stories, it's instant credibility. So if a prospect goes to your website and sees your testimonials or your client list and they don't recognize any of the people, you might be playing in too big of a niche, especially when you and your business are first breaking into the market. Going micro gives you instant credibility because once you get that first well-known influential client, they're going to open more doors to more. Other people in that niche know them. They respect them. They look up to them. That makes the next round of sales even easier. And it's a virtuous cycle that keeps on getting better because then the more people you take on in that space, the more people you can take on in that space, right? Because you've crossed that threshold of credibility. It's no longer an issue. Okay. So that's number two, instant credibility. Number three, benefit of going micro. As you repeat this process, you end up building a home base of influential, affluent, respected clients with success stories that speak deeply to your ideal client. That's what I would call a home base, right? That, that, that initial group of influential, affluent, respected clients, right? That's a very powerful, powerful asset in the long-term growth of your thought leadership business. It gives you all kinds of options for growth without putting the core of your business at risk. It gives you back profits in every form, cash, time, and energy, profits that you can draw from to decide how to grow from your home base, right? And the reason I call it a home base is like your, uh, you know, the three stages of influence is like pushing a rock up a hill. Having a home base is like having a base halfway up that mountain, right? It makes everything easier. When you have a solid home base of influential clients, it opens up your creative mind to new solutions, new directions, new strategies you'd never think about otherwise, right? Because you're making choices from a position of strength and not desperation. So that's number three, a home base of influential, affluent, respected clients who have success stories that speak deeply to your ideal client. 
Those are the three benefits. But that's really just scratching the surface. You know, we talked a little bit about the clear and compelling idea and how it gave a company like Brandio such a huge advantage in their market. There's a great solo episode of the podcast where I dug deep into the clear and compelling idea. So you can check that out. Just search for the clear and compelling idea, Microfamous, or you can pick up a copy of the Microfamous book. Uh, Just go to microfamousbook.com. And once again, just thanks so much for listening, for sharing the show, for engaging, um, for the emails back, for the, the social media messages. Uh, you know, a guy the other day uh, was so blown away by the microfamous book that he made a video on Instagram about how awesome it was and what he took away from it and some of the principles that he's, you know, taking away and how he's applying it in his business. I just want to let you know that I appreciate, I see all that stuff. I appreciate, you know, you guys sharing the message by word of mouth because that's how podcasts grow. It's how books sell. Uh, It's really what drives marketing today. So don't be afraid to share it. Tell someone about the show. Uh, Rate and review the show uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, I see every single one of those. I so appreciate them. And uh, and stick around. Um, We're going to keep going on the Microfamous Podcast and digging deeper into these ideas, into these concepts to help you build a simple, profitable rewarding business off of your thought leadership. So stay with us. We've got uh, more fun stuff to cover. We'll see you next time.